Hello, I'm Sarah Khan and welcome to Backing Brilliant Business, a series by Radio Centre. They're the people helping businesses of all sizes grow with great radio advertising. In this series, I will talk to guests who want to share their own unique expertise and experience to help you with your business. From marketing experts who have reshaped how we see a brand in the marketplace, to entrepreneurs who've started at the bottom and are now at the top of their field. Each episode, we'll look through our guest CV to discover the most rewarding and most challenging aspects of their career so far. And we discover their three key lessons in business, the learnings, advice and practices that they want to share to help you be better at whatever it is you do. In this episode, we're joined by Ian Leslie. Ian is a former creative strategist turned journalist and author of acclaimed books on human behaviour. He writes about a range of subjects from psychology, culture, technology and business for the New Statesman, The Economist, The Guardian and The Financial Times. And he advises CEOs and CMOs on communication and workplace culture. His latest book, Conflicted, answers what has become a huge question for individuals, businesses and countries. How to get better at disagreement. Today he joins us to talk about productive conflict and shares three lessons that will help you with your business. So Ian, thank you so much for joining me today. And on each episode of Backing Brilliant Business, one of the things that we do is look through our guest CV and just really talk about those highlight moments. But we want to start with when you left school, what was your first job? Let's start there. Well, I worked in a supermarket for a while, stacking shelves. And then I worked on the box office at the Royal Albert Hall, selling tickets to the proms or Eric Clapton or whatever was going on. And I learned a lot about customer service. And I don't mean I I learned to get really good at it. I mean, I learned how terrible I was at it and how hard it is to be nice to people, you know, for a living. So I have kind of ever since then had a a lot of respect for people that do it well, because I can tell you I was pretty terrible at it. Looking through your CV, the kind of big moment really in your career was advertising from about 94 to 2006. Just talk me through your advertising career, what you learned, what you enjoyed and how it changed you as a person. Like a lot of people, I think I kind of got to the end of university somehow without ever thinking about what I was going to do for a job, right? And I thought, well, advertising sounds like a kind of relatively interesting, relatively creative and fun kind of industry to work in. And reasonably well paid, right? I mean, it wasn't as well paid as some of the kind of other jobs that some of my friends were doing, but it was, you know, and that's basically how it proved, right? The type of job that I got in advertising, they're sometimes called planners, they're sometimes called strategists, We didn't write the ads and we didn't necessarily do all the kind of client management, but we sat in between the creatives and the business side of things. And we helped make sure that the creatives wrote ads which actually spoke to consumers rather than just made up whatever kind of wonderful creative doodle that they wanted. So our job was to say, look, this is the audience. This is what they're like. This is what they need to hear in order for them to buy this brand. So it involved a lot of trying to understand consumers, trying to understand people, really. Why do they buy this and not that? So you have to have an interest in in human psychology, human behaviour, 
And it's a job where you can really kind of explore your curiosity about the world. And at the same time, you're working in an environment with, you know, a lot of pretty creative and pretty fun, and sometimes annoying, but never boring people. So I did it for quite a long time. And really, that was my, you know, that was my main kind of professional career until I sort of switched horses midstream and, and started to do writing. So I did interesting kind of big jobs. So I was the global strategic director. This is a very pompous title, but, but <laughs> for uh, at JWT in New York. And I worked on clients like Diageo. So, so they do things like Smirnoff and Bailey's, they're a drinks company. And then back in London, I worked on for another agent for YNR, Virgin Mobile, Starbucks. And, and then I worked for Channel 5 for a while, sort of left the agency world and worked for a client on their marketing. So by this stage, and this is, I guess, in my kind of mid-30s, I was thinking, well, I've got close to the top of where I can go. Now, at this point, I could have gone into management and, you know, there the, the were career paths available to me. But at this point, I was thinking, I'm not sure if I want to do advertising you're just advertising for the rest of my life because it's hugely fun, but it's not something that I really care deeply about or not as deeply as some other things. And so maybe if I can find a way to, to do something I really care deeply about, I could still work in advertising because I do find it interesting and stimulating and fun. I could do this other thing that I want to do, is which is writing, which is something I've thought about for, for a long time without actually doing anything about. It is a completely different way of working. I want to talk about the theme that you want to discuss today, which is all about productive conflict. Now, just listening to you briefly there, did this productive conflict idea or interest happen during your advertising days? I mean, the idea for the book I didn't have until more recently, but it's definitely something that I was interested in and have always been interested in, partly because I'm so bad at it, right? I'm fairly kind of conflict averse. I mean, I think most people are to, to a certain extent. But yeah, certainly I didn't like getting into arguments. And in advertising, there are different types of conflict in every kind of workplace, right? But in advertising, the conflict is often between you as a strategist or an account person on the kind of businessy side of things and the creatives who are writing the ads, right? These are two very different kinds of mindset. We tend to be more kind of rational and analytical. The creatives tend to be like, oh, I don't want to hear about all your rational analysis and your data and your numbers and your, your business goals. Just go away. Now, let me just write this brilliant 30-minute sketch, which is going to crack people up, right? So I'm caricature, caricaturing the two sides, but you see what I mean? They're, they're two different mindsets. When it works, you get this amazing effect because the diversity of the mindset creates you know great advertising but it does mean that you certainly should be arguing quite a lot of the time <laughs> because you should be saying no 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 guys you can't just write that because that's not going to work for our consumers they don't think like you think and so you have to have a kind of good way to handle disagreement and conflict you have to be practiced and skillful at that and it's something that I got a little bit better at over time but I, I, I always thought you know nobody comes along and tells you how to do this disagreeing and you know handling conflict is really hard really tough and there's a good reason that you're worried about it or it makes you anxious so here's how to think about it nobody trains you in it nobody you know there's no kind of like hr program for it and yet we're all we're all expected to do it and i and i think kind of that's why a lot of us handle it quite badly and and try and avoid it altogether or or, or get into you know terrible routes 
Okay, so let's dig into this a little bit deeper. Um, when you're talking about productive conflict, your lesson number one is about defining the culture. What do you mean by that? A lot of the book is about how do you release the immense benefits of conflict, of good argument, positive disagreement in your company, in your business. And I won't kind of go through it here, but the first kind of third of the book is about what those benefits are, right? So if you're disagreeing well, then it's going to make you smarter, right? Because you've got to think of better arguments. The people you're disagreeing with are saying, no, 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 that, that's not true. Or that's, and, and you've got to kind of hone your point of view, right? That's how I work out what I think often is by disagreeing with people, whether it's people at work or my wife, or whatever. And it's also going to make you more creative because you're clashing together all these different points of view and these different insights. And creativity is essentially the kind of combination of different points of view and different insights in order to, to create something new. It's this kind of generative process. So disagreement makes you smarter. It makes you more creative. Ultimately, it brings you together, I think, because you, you're actually seeing what people really care about. They're showing you their, their heart, putting their heart on their sleeve. And the question I then ask is, OK, Given all that, but given that we find it hard a lot of the time, makes us anxious, how can you create a culture at work where people feel like they can and they want to disagree, where they're not so anxious about it? Because if you're a boss, right, you want your, your teams to be as collectively intelligent and as collectively creative as possible. And that involves disagreement, especially, you know, in relation to diversity, you know, there's a huge emphasis on diversity of all kinds at the moment, right? Which is good. But if everyone is sitting around the table and they're all diverse and they're all disagreeing with each other, you're not unlocking the benefits of those different points of view and those different experiences that, that come with diversity. So you need disagreement to unlock those kind of huge cognitive and creative benefits. So how do you do that? Well, one of the very kind of obvious but very effective things is to make it explicit, is to say, in this company, in this workplace, we really appreciate good disagreement. We respect people who stand up and say, well, I'm not sure about that. And particularly, we respect it when it goes up the hierarchy, right? So if a junior person is, is telling the boss, I don't think that's right, actually, then we'll basically say, well done. And even if I, as the boss, end up kind of disagreeing or saying, well, I don't quite... I'm still going to say, well, thank you for pointing that out, right? So as a boss, you can A, make it explicit that you appreciate constructive disagreement and you expect and want people to disagree and have good arguments in meetings. And B, you can model it yourself by taking disagreement seriously, by saying, OK, let me think about that. That's a really good point you've made. Let's talk it through. And also... By, 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 by kind of disagreeing with your peers, right? So I talk to startup founders and they'll say, you know, if there are two founders, the, the founders will disagree with each other, not in a bitter or horrible way, not in a kind of petty way, but about the issues at hand in the room, right? Whereas other founders might say, well, we're going to have this intense discussion about the future of the company in another room. What some of the founders I talk to say, no, we kind of make a point to to disagree with each other and show the rest of the room that you can. This is a perfectly nice, friendly, positive disagreement. And this is what we expect from from you, too. What happens when you don't have a disagreement? The disagreement does not go away. You know, it does not disappear and it becomes either submerged anger, which turns up in other places. Suddenly you're thinking, why is this person 
behaving so irrationally? Why, why are they so upset with me? Or why are they saying these terrible things? Well, possibly because you've had a tension or a conflict that has not been aired for a long time because you haven't allowed it to be. And now it's kind of erupting in a different place. Or it becomes passive aggression. <laughs> you know, and anybody who's been in a workplace will know that passive aggression is a kind of big feature of a lot of workplaces. And passive aggression is just corrosive to relationships. Ultimately, you end up in a place where you don't totally feel like you can trust anyone. And so I think overcoming the anxiety and the stress of a disagreement is short term. Once you get over that, so I sometimes liken it to exercise. I actually don't really enjoy going for a run, <laughs> at least certainly not the first, you know, half a mile, or whatever it is. And when you, you know, if you, whatever you do, you, you lift weights or whatever, like you're literally putting stress, tearing your, your muscles apart in order that they grow back stronger, right? And so you say, I'm going to do this, even though I'm not really just quite uncomfortable, because I know that ultimately it's, it's good for me. And ultimately, I will feel good about it, actually. And it's a little bit similar with disagreement. Put up with that little bit of stress, that little bit of anxiety in the short term, and your relationships will be strengthened in the long term and your thinking will be a lot smarter in the long term. This podcast is brought to you by Radio Centre, who are helping businesses across the UK grow with radio advertising. Head to radiocentre.org forward slash business to discover how radio can boost your company's performance, find out how the radio process works, hear from businesses who've found success with audio advertising, access free training and even search for and be linked with stations in your area. You can find out all that and more at radiocentre.org forward slash business. Your lesson two was surface the feelings. I just want to delve into it a little bit more though. How can somebody who is conflict adverse, you know, and they internalize everything, what tips would you give to somebody to help them surface the feelings? Sometimes it really can be as simple as saying, I can see that you're really upset about this. And I've talked to bosses who have done that. So it might be that somebody has come in to see them about a pay rise or a pay negotiation, and they can sense that there's real tension in the air. And just thinking of one particular conversation, this boss who's been at like, I think McKinsey for like 30 years and basically thought about this a lot and got very good at it. He said, I used to just ignore that tension and just kind of carry on through. Now I'm much more likely to say I could tell that you are pretty angry about something. So tell me what you're angry about. And the person will say, yeah, goddamn right, I'm angry. And here's why. And actually, there's a huge release of tension. And you might have to put up with them kind of shouting you a little bit for, for a few minutes. But after that, you'll probably find that the conversation goes a lot more better because it just feels a lot more candid and honest. And uh, yeah, I talked to divorce mediators or one of the all sorts of people who do have tough conversations for a living. So hostage negotiators and interrogators and divorce mediators. And this divorce mediator said to me, we go through, you know, how you're feeling before we get into any of the tough stuff about, you know, how we're going to make this divorce negotiation work. Until you surface those feelings, they're going to kind of distort and undermine everything else that you're talking about. They'll come out in these kind of odd ways. So I think, yeah, just something as, as simple as, as saying, look, take the other person's emotions seriously, right? They're, they're not just background noise. They're not just this kind of static. 
just get them out and say, tell me why you're feeling and try and get them to express it. And that sometimes that might mean you surfacing your emotions saying, look, I have to say I'm really upset about this. And you'll just find that the conversation becomes more candid and more honest and not always, but it often helps. Some really amazing points there. I think it's always good if you are in a position of power and let's say you're a boss and you've got people working under you. It is your job to create that culture, to make that surfacing of the feelings accessible and okay, which is what you talked about initially. Your final lesson is be real. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's it's something I talk about at the end of the book, because throughout the book, I've been giving lots of tips and advice. We touched on, on a few of them in our conversation about how to handle disagreement well. And some of them are kind of quite deep, like service the feeling. Some of them are, are kind of more straightforward. Like there's what I talk about, which is check for understanding, which is when you're in a conversation, you're having a disagreement. It's a really good thing to say, to kind of summarise the other person's point of view and put it back to them and say, am I getting this right? So if I'm understanding you, Sarah, your point of view on this is A, B and C. Is that right? Now, this has two benefits. One is that you will genuinely get more clarity on what they're saying, because a lot of disagreement is just rooted on me not understanding you properly and you not understanding me properly. So just being a bit more careful about framing that other person's point of view. And B, that other person feels it is the emotional benefit, right? The, the other person feels listened to properly. So you're not just sitting there nodding. You're saying, OK, let me get this right. I think what you're saying is this. Is that right? And the other person will say, no, that's not quite right. It's, it's more like this. A, you get clearer and B, you'll get closer. OK, you can do things like that in two ways. You can do them as kind of cheap tricks. <laughs> you know, you can make them like techniques which become a bit inhuman saying, OK, you know, I've been reading in a textbook that I meant to check for understanding at this point. So I'm going to you know, say, oh, yes, let me just summarise this conversation. Am I doing it correct? And, you know, the other person can tell you just read this book and you've got this tip and your technique. And often, you know, you could put everything I've been saying to one side. And as long as you're kind of being candid and honest and showing your authentic self to the other person, that's the most important thing to bear in mind. Never let the way your interpersonal interactions become a kind of set of ossified rules or tricks or techniques. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a human being talking to a human being and, and never forget that. That's probably the most important rule of all. When somebody has been in a disagreement or a conflict situation, you know, a lot of people just mull it over in their head and they rework it. Let's say there was no agreement. It was that person says A, I say B, I'm going to walk away. I haven't changed my mind. How do you deal with that after the conflict? What do you say to yourself to make sure you're not mulling and it just goes into negativity and you beat yourself up about it and you can't understand why they can't see your point of view and you get worked up with yourself? Well, I mean, you can say, well, I really did my best to understand that person's point of view and even if I didn't shift and, and they didn't shift or you feel like you didn't do that so maybe you think well okay I could have done better there I'll try better next time I think sometimes because I guess this is kind of a related to your question it's slightly different but sometimes you feel like you're basically just coming up against a brick wall like you need some cooperation from the other person actually you could be brilliant at disagreement but if the other person's just not interested in, in having a productive disagreement you, you're not going to get far you can create sometimes a better interlocutor you can basically help them get better at it often that means making them feel better if somebody's 
really kind of behaving unpleasantly or irrationally, or they're just sullen and not saying much. There may be nothing you can do about it, but sometimes you can do something about it. And often that involves putting them at ease in some way. Often that stems from insecurity or anxiety. And sometimes it means you saying, look, can I just first of all say before we get into this, I have huge respect for you and what you do and the work you've been doing. Again, be real. Don't say if you don't mean it. But Brazil, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Find the most positive thing you think and feel about them and say it. And when you say it, you'll often find that that sullen person starts to lighten up or that hostile person starts to become more friendly and you can get into the conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I am so pro. Tell me how you feel. I want to know because for me, that is a base from where I can grow from. It's a base where I can get some other people's point of view, the way that they look at the world into my own discussion points. And sometimes I can change my whole opinion because somebody has chosen to disagree with me. I just think that it's really important to have this idea of disagreement in our society. I just feel really worried right now that everything's getting a bit bland and people are being shut up. That worries me. That worries me. And that's a big part of why I wrote the book. Yeah. I want people to to get better at this and to realise how important it is that we disagree well, number one, and B, to, to get better at it and to treat it as a skill that you can learn, that we can all learn. Amazing. So, Ian, your theme today was talking about productive conflict. The three lessons that we've taken away from you is first about if you're a boss and you want productive conflict to take place, then define your culture, make it very clear that it's a place of work where people's all points of view are welcome. You talked about surfacing the feelings, letting people know how you feel. And finally, about being real when you're in a conflict situation or a disagreement show people that your respect is coming from a place of respect that you're listening you're being real and uh you know kind of no hard feelings i guess to a certain extent it's been really amazing talking to you i think what you're writing about and what you're doing is so apt right now and especially for our society so thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it before you go one of the things that i really want to do for our audience listening is for you to give them a message about your theme and lessons in a way that they will be able to remember it and a radio jingle is the perfect way so if you had to create a radio jingle for the, your message what would it be and you have to sing it to me Ian oh um okay what about disrupt the script that's one of the chapter titles of my book and that means if you get stuck in a rut where everybody's making the same arguments over and over again change the script let's say something different or introduce a joke Point to something out of the window. Just disrupt the script and get out of the rut. So whatever you're doing, disrupt the script. You can wrap that. You can wrap that to me, Ian. <laughs> whatever you're doing, disrupt the script. I like yeah, that. That's, that's brilliant. Good. Okay, cool. Fantastic. Ian, it's been absolute pleasure talking to you. I've really, really enjoyed the conversation. It's going to be very beneficial to our listeners, especially if you're running a business thinking of starting a business or thinking about how to improve your own business culture. It's a valuable lesson. So I really appreciate that. I'm very grateful. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Sarah. I really enjoyed talking to you. It was fantastic. Well, that's been the Backing Brilliant Business podcast with me, Sarah Khan. And I really hope you've enjoyed the many words of wisdom that came from our chat. 
There'll be more amazing guests to come in the series with plenty of business lessons to be learned. So please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow Radio Centre across all of their socials on Instagram at Radio Centre underscore UK and on Twitter at Radio Centre. So until next time, bye for now.